0: Get ready to crank up your repro and profits with the new MySync Fertility 360 Report. The Fertility 360 Report combines your dairy's data with an on-farm evaluation to improve your herd's performance. By analyzing the key areas of herd fertility and comparing your current performance to the industry's best benchmarks, The Fertility 360 report helps you quickly identify areas to improve and develop a custom plan to achieve higher fertility and profits. Don't pass up better repro and more money for your dairy. Contact your local Parnell Territory Manager or visit crankupyourprofits.com today.
1: Good afternoon, everyone, and thank you for joining us today, wherever you are across uh, the United States. Uh, My name is Nick Isles, and I head up the production animal business at Parnell. And I'll be your host for today. And I'm joining you from sunny Brisbane, Australia. So in April this year, Parnell launched the new module within MySync application called the Fertility360 Report to help dairy herds reach optimal fertility and profitability. Fertility360 Report combines the dairy's data with a 360-degree on-farm evaluation by the farm's veterinarian. It compares the dairy's current performance to other farms in the mycin community, about a million cows now, uh, and also is supported by scientifically backed guidelines assembled by independent researchers, professors, veterinarians, and nutritionists, and some of whom uh, of those who join us on the panel today. The F360 is designed to identify the areas most affecting fertility and provides you, the veterinarian, uh, with a template to develop an actionable management plan to capitalise on on those opportunities. The ind- industry experts and veterinarians across uh, the country have already been using the tool uh, in their dairies, and we've brought a few of them together today so you can hear their thoughts on the F360, as we as we like to call it, and also gain some insights on the future role of such tools in the, in the industry. So without Further ado, I'd like to introduce and make welcome our panel today. First off, we have Professor Adrian Barrigan from Penn State University. Good afternoon to you, Adrian. Uh, Professor Paul Freckie from the University of Wisconsin-Madison. Good afternoon to you, Paul. DVM Steve Borgren from Freeport Veterinary Service in Minnesota. Good afternoon to you, Steve. And DVM Began mm-hmm. <coughs> Tiffany from Armour Animal Health Servicing at New York and Pennsylvania. Uh, hi there, Mia and also DVM Mark Pitporn from St. Anna Veterinary Clinic uh, in Wisconsin. Good afternoon to you, Mark. So welcome uh, to our panelists. The Fertility 360 report was developed with really two core principles uh, to help the industry identify the best path to improve reproduction on the farm, and also for the tool to be exclusive for veterinarians uh, to assist implement a sort of a standard consulting assembly with the uh, clients so I'm going to ask Adrian first because you've been involved in the, the project for the longest period of time almost uh, coming up to two years now maybe a little bit over but Adrian uh, to you uh, why did you see the industry needing a tool like this
2: yeah I mean the since the beginning of these uh, that we start working uh, with unique and with Cornell Uh, Developing this tool when first I was (coughs) approached first for you guys about this idea about developing an applicable applied tool, user-friendly sort of tool to improve the process of collecting all this data and processing it and uh, making accurate and meaningful recommendation to the producers. I was really interested in that because I actually, I, I was working, or oh, I always did that sort of show as a consultant veterinarian, but I didn't have the technology or the capability to do this process in a really efficient way by getting the information uh, summarized and and uh, kind of cleaned up and, and then Move on to the recommendations. Um, I always had to go through uh, the fund, the records, the interview with the uh, producer, get all the information in my notebook, then clean up the information, put together a report, put together recommendations, which took a few, a couple of days to get all the process done. When you guys approach us to this idea of, of uh, making this a more integra- integrative uh, process and make it user user friendly, getting all the information handy through this kind of connection, this tool that Cornell now developed that back then was kind of a dream and, and it turned out into a really neat tool where all this information is pulled automatically from the farm of the records by adding a few of those parameters by briefly talking with the producer or or some of the person on the farm. And then in a matter of a couple hours, you collect all the information that before used to take me. A day, a day or two to to collate the information and summarize. Uh, at least from the veterinarian point of view or the consulting point of view, not not only veterinarians, nutritionists or other consultants that work with the dairy industry. I think this a really uh, need to kind of speeding this process and making more meaningful recommendation. And the other thing that and, and I'm sure that the veterinarians that have used it will will chime in and friends with the tool and what are the things that they like the most or, or what are the things that the tools still have to evolve because that is the concept that i like about the company that is a process that is constantly evolving it's not a, a set uh, a tool that we have it and and this is what we have now it's always constantly evolving and i think that 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 is how it should be everybody should be in that like that and no? we are constantly learning constantly evolving so i think that from the point of view of the practitioners uh, I think it's a really useful uh, tool, not only to make these meaningful recommendations in, a, in in critical time, but also to not forget about anything. One of the neat uh, uh, features of the tool is that you have all the information or, or the most of the more critical information that was identified through uh, extensive research process of the uh, literature, design-based information about what the main factors that will affect <clears throat> reproduction in your farm, from uh, ma- you know personal management to uh, cow health and uh, issues, the tool will tell you step by step what information uh, is asking you to record. Of course, the veterinarian can decide if recording or not, but at least it's going to be there and you won't forget. Sometimes we we're going to focus on uh, the main issues that the producer has. It's telling us that they want to you know improve concession rate only on the. Effort. So only first lactation cows, something really specific and uh, we just target that and we forget about the other, the other factors that could be affecting that, that parameter. Uh, a tool like that really helps you to see the big picture and not forget anything and then decide
1: which information is meaningful to make your recommendations. What I heard there is a huge time saving uh, factor with bringing in all that information in. And because it's nice and succinct, it also keeps you on point. Uh, and moves you through in a a standard operating procedure through the dairy so that you don't miss anything you know when we've spoken previously there were five key domains or evaluation areas so those were the nutrition uh, reproduction cow comfort transition cow disease and, and management and personnel which is obviously critical to the to the function of those how did you come to sort of thinking that those were the key five domains.
2: I think that this is a matter of, of how you would like to group the most uh, important factors affecting reproduction. The way that I see it for this particular tool is uh, what are the main areas that I, I assess when i troubleshooting reproductive uh, issues in a farm? And I try to group those as uh, specific as possible without having overlapping of, of the factors. Sometimes I feel like quite a, a little bit of overlap in all the sections, and then it's, you're re- redoing the show. You're, you're recollecting information that you already collected, and by having in groups consolidate the information that you collect on it, in each group, it makes more efficient the process, I would say. The key areas, it comes from basic science-based information that, that is out there that has shown there are areas that affect reproduction. Some of them will affect in a greater degree other in a le- lesser degree but it still has to be considered, uh, and they're really specific of the operation that you, you are assessing, of course. Uh, some operations, personal, could be a huge issue, specific, specifically if we have either heat detection or synchronization, uh, time and sort of programs where uh, shock compliance is a really huge factor that uh, plays an important role in the uh, fertility of the and in other farms, might not. Uh, so I think that, you know, regardless, not only on the science but also on the specific operation that is uh, that you are assessing each factor might have a little more or a little less but all those uh, areas are are critical for uh, having an excellent uh, reproductive performance
1: there are probably about 70 (coughs) odd questions some of them are um, are answered uh, automatically with the data that pre-populates the tool but obviously one of the things about the tool as well it does require you to be on farm and, and do a walk around to observe the actual uh, operation, um, you know, uh, working. Um, What are the questions or why are the questions in these areas so critical in identifying um, the improvement opportunities?
2: Yeah, so the question I think is, is similar to the key areas where identify or develop based on those key factors that science have told us that have a a negative impact or an impact on on reproductive uh, or fertility of the cows. And therefore, those questions are uh, aimed at finding the critical information about those factors. Regardless uh, of perhaps uh, based on that specific um, key area, they're gonna be different questions, but all, all of them are trying to find information about these what we call risk factors for reproductive performance, or uh, factors that influence in some degree the fertility of the cows. Depending on how much information is need, needed to be collected from each factor, could be more than one question for that factor, and on, or more or um, more sections. For instance, uh, body condition score. Uh, you know, we record the information many categories of cows. Not only one group went very, and we want to see the change in body condition, of, co- uh, of um, body condition score on the cows during transition period, and things like that in order to uh, identify the impact or, or how much that factor can be affecting the fertility in that particular herd. Um, but yeah, it's gonna target uh, tag along with the key areas. And with this risk factor or important factors that science have shown us, that affect fertility in, in a lesser or in a higher degree, but all of them affect uh, fertility. It has to be monitored and uh, identified and then managed and, and modified in order to improve the fertility.
1: Um, thanks Adrian I wish I might pull in Paul here as well because Paul you've joined the F three sixty project uh, more recently and have been sort of tasked in, you know with the but is in the decision support behind that and looking at some of the industry guidelines already I know that the body of work that you have reviewed, particularly in reproduction. Uh, so you know, we focus just on those, so each of the questions is paired with industry guidelines. You know, how did you determine, or how are you going about determining which ones are the critical, and what's the ongoing process? You think?
3: Uh, basically, what I did, Nick, is just went to the published literature. If you work in this particular area and do research, you're pretty familiar with the published literature in these areas. And obviously, there's there's papers that come out that are just kind of seminal papers with regard to certain benchmarks or certain things that are going on with reproduction. One of those would be, for example, twinning. Uh, anytime you can use a meta-analysis, for example, to get an idea of what's what's going on with a parameter, those are excellent because they're going to be looking at multiple studies, you know, with po- lots of numbers. Uh, there are other studies that have have been done that are just extremely well done. Whether that's with, um, you know, uterine diseases, so on and so forth. There's certain laboratories around the country that just kind of specialize in certain things, and so you just are aware of those papers. And we try to pull those papers together so that at least we have something to look at from what the published literature
1: literature is telling us. So that veterinarians can certainly feel confident that any of the questions that then may come up and and offer a pro, either a protocol or a reference that there is some thought uh, leadership in to, to support those. Uh, Mark, if, uh, if you could share with us, you know, prior to the, to the F360 report, how are you reviewing dairy's reproduction performance and, and profitability, other than getting on farm and, and doing your sort of daily or weekly farm assessment, how are you going about you know, reviewing that in, in a more holistic manner?
4: I guess mostly what I've done on my herds, you know, getting into Dairy Comp 305, looking at bread some, you know, all the different options there. You know, obviously the big stuff, you know, preg rate, conception rates, things like that. You know, going through the the options on guide as well, and then doing some, you know, more custom stuff. You know, as far as looking at specific lactations, you know, conception rates for different breedings, and just different things there to kind of, you know, pinpoint more problem areas versus just the whole herd what's the preg rate you know looking at first lactation animals second you know first breeding multiple breedings and also kind of monitoring you know other other important factors that'll affect repro you know looking at fresh cow diseases subclinical ketosis transition cow you know stuff like that as far as you know computer stuff I'll you know look at stocking density of transition pens you know things like that just to kind of see what what factors i could identify that might be might be
1: bottlenecks on a herd my correct me here is that you're part of a, a larger practice you know, would you feel confident uh, you know that, that or was your method uh in terms of your approach to assessing a dairy on this uh on its repro uh would that be the same or different uh, to your partners in your in your clinic or maybe partners in another clinic because uh, your your clinic's all very good, so we, uh, but do you think that the assessment would be similar across the board to other veterinarians?
4: Uh, I'm sure there's, you know, like anything, I'm sure there's some similarities. A lot of the numbers, you know, the big industry numbers, you know, I'm sure everyone kind of looks at, but I'm sure there's differences too, things that I may look at that someone else might not or things that I'm sure there's plenty of things that other people look at that I don't think to look at or commonly look at either, so... I think everyone – I'm sure everyone has their different strengths and what they what they look at, and it's probably not – I'm sure not the same, you know, among my partners and, you know, other clinics as well.
1: Yeah. So there is, some, um, I guess, their ability, if we could land on an agreed sort of a standard uh, protocol going around uh, across the industry, uh, you know, across the country, I should say, that at least here's a framework that uh, gets everyone off on the – Asking the same sorts of questions, and we'll come to that um, the, the, that a little later because I think it really has some importance in the in the research side of things, and the feedback, and then you know the use of um, of big data to help um, other veterinarians. Um, and Steve, what um, you're, again? You're I think you're a, a part of a, a larger practices as, as well. And, you know, what's been your experience with the Fertility Three Hundred and Sixty report? Um, compared to other industry programs uh, in light of the, the vets and producer relationship. I mean, how does this sort of fit in with with that uh, dynamic?
0: Sure. Just, just a follow-up kind of what Mark said, you know, a lot of producers ask us kind of maybe to pinpoint certain problems, and we kind of get focused on just those problems. And um, what this program kind of does is it's a more overarching look at the whole system, if you will. So it's kind of nice, we start with the repro and some of these herds have really good repro numbers. And instead of stopping the help there or the investigation there, you're able to dive a little deeper and find that they think the repro is good or even by industry standards, it's good enough that they can actually become better than what they currently are. A lot of it is going back to looking at, let's say heat abatement or stall use. A lot of these things tie back directly to reproduction. It's just, by the numbers, that might look good, but ultimately, this program enables you to look at that whole whole herd instead of just focusing on one specific topic.
1: It is designed for veterinarians only that can have access to it. So, really more of a consulting tool to use on, on their dairies. So we took the time to develop that to ensure the tool is practical. Um, but a bit of a deeper dive into that, uh, Megan, um, from your perspective. Now, I guess you're more of a sole trader, is out, sort of more work on your own. Um, the fertility 360 report is accessible through your mobile device and is formatted in a methodical way can you step us through your experience in completing the report
5: Uh, so yeah I used my iPad um, and it was it was incredibly user-friendly right from logging in to having the herd profile immediately accessible Um, and then the the layout seemed to be in a very logical stepwise process where you didn't feel like you were running around jumping from one thing to another it was like you you were able to complete one section you know before going to the next to the next it was it was obviously very methodically laid out um and just obviously thought through which you know a a farm is is a big area to just be running around, going, finding the herdsman, you know, talking about nutrition, jumping around here and there. So I really appreciate how well thought out it was. And then just having the pre-populated fields, you know, directly from, from the records was super helpful. Um, I even went back and, and did my own little, you know, double checking of that information. And and it, it was all very accurate. So I appreciated the time-saving aspect of that, you know, going forward. I don't think I would probably double check it again um, the way I did, you know, initially, but I, I have the confidence that it is pulling the information um, exactly the way I would from, from Dairy Comp. So yeah, so I, I was super appreciative of the use of time you know with the whole layout with the dashboards and everything
1: excellent oh that's that's great and steve uh, from your perspective the 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 data portion as well that pulled into the um, dairy herd management system did the data support the findings of of your on-farm evaluation what you saw on farm was that reflective in the data that had been entered into the dairy herd management system.
0: Um. Yes. Um. Really, for the herds that I worked with, it, like I always say, it's only uh, your records are only as good as the stuff that they input. You know, there were some moments where you'd ask them about certain, like, say, disease processes, and they weren't recording them. So when you're not recording it, it's really tough to know if you actually have a problem with it or not. What I think that this has done, though, is it's opened up that. Uh, ability to have these producers then say well maybe is this a problem should I start recording it and having an actual better system in recording that kind of information um, from a repro standpoint I believe it was very spot-on What worried me a little bit more was just you guys people I worked with there was very very vast differences on how uh, disease processes were recorded basically
1: So Paul, I might just sort of throw to throw to you here, because I know that you and I have spoken a lot about this and let's talk about the transition cow diseases because that's recording of those, you know, in systems, you know, often for example, a a DA, you know, may be recorded because it's a surgical one. But what about things like ketosis and some of those other, you know, subclinical things that if people aren't routinely testing for? What are your thoughts on on that and the tool highlighting those areas?
3: We did a study a number of years ago where we were trying to relate different factors on dairies with first service conception rate. And we started to go through a lot of information on dairies from transition cow diseases, so on and so forth. And, you know, one of the first things a grad student came back to us and said is, you know, the the records are all over the place with what people are calling things. Sometimes it's pretty clear what people are talking about based on their kind of cryptic way of recording the disease or whatever. But sometimes it's not. And then the other problem is you never know kind of to the extent by which someone is actually recording that data, and so it's been a long term problem, I think, when we start to try to relate these different disease states to reproductive performance, especially with regard to large numbers i mean some of the best studies done, you actually have people going in and doing the keto testing um so you know can you trust? what what is being put into the program and so you know i think the thing we talked about was standardization would be would be a nice idea to be able to try to get a handle on some of this
1: um so mark you know you've done a couple of these now did the fertility 360 report alert you to, to any challenges uh, on the dairy that you weren't previously aware of or this was more of a mechanism of it's really just confirmed what i have Trying to be telling these guys all, all along, or did you get a couple of surprises along the way?
4: Um, it was definitely a little bit of both. Um, you know, a few things came up in the interview process. Um, both of the the ones that I did, uh, our, our local our local rep, um, Angie Alness, did the the background. She took care of the interview. So a few things came up there. Some of that might be good. I think some of the producers may have been maybe a little more forthcoming with her and. Some of the things that were going on, going through shot protocols. One thing came up on one herd; they weren't doing their double off sync properly. Uh, some switch in the protocol came up, so I was completely unaware. I don't know if they would have told me that in person, but they they told her that. So that was kind of a big thing. The body condition scoring; I think that was really helpful. Some of that I suspected, but it really reaffirmed it, or you know, showed it was more than I even would have expected. You know, some of those things were. You know, really eye opening. You know, some reaffirmed and some showed
1: things that, you know, I wasn't aware of. There's other examples too. So, um, actually, Mark, on, on that, do you think that sometimes you might head into um, or approach some of these things? With a bias, you believe something, but until you actually go and measure it, you, you get a bit of a surprise here. And I, I'm in particular, I think the body condition scoring. You know, you always just sort of look across the uh, the pen and you see the first sort of ten cows and you think, yep, they're all good. Did you feel that there's any of that until you actually go in and do the measurement that you were surprised about?
4: I mean, I would never do something like that, but I could see where it. No, yeah, for sure. I mean, it you go through systematically and yeah, you have a picture in your head of what you're used to seeing, or like you said, you pick out the fat cows or the skinny cows. And uh, I think it really helped with, with that and how it was laid out and with entering it, you know, on, on your phone or iPad, you know, was really a really helpful way to kind of take some of those, those biases out.
1: You sort of alluded to uh, before about identifying some of the, the issues. And uh, to you, Megan, you know, I, I often hear this is, I've been saying this forever and I don't seem to be able to get a, you know, a dairyman to to change their thoughts or or process on things. You know, if you did identify a problem on the farm, how did you previously approach the owners of managing that to address that?
5: So I would I would have just gone to the the owners or the managing partners or whoever, you know, and just let them know of my observation and, and my opinion or my bias, I guess. And and approach it from from that standpoint of just that, you know, this is what I'm seeing. This is what I think This is This is why, you know, like we've all alluded to we all have our biases I think we all have those things that we look for and probably the other things that we Overlook and and everybody has has a different set of eyes when it comes to walking on a dairy and, and what they see and what they feel is important with this really takes a lot of that bias out and allows you to really have an an even playing field on on looking at everything and having everyone has the same tool essentially you know to really address things from a very even playing field I guess is just what I keep coming back to because it is it's just it standardizes everything
1: and do you think that that having some of the, the clinical support in behind some of those decision making or changes or recommendations, is that going to change I Think some of your approach?
5: Uh, absolutely. Even just having the industry guidelines front and center and obvious for every single question is a huge game changer that the, the decision making partners can't ignore. You know, this is where your farm is, and this is where it should be. It it makes it makes it just so much easier to have that conversation, and not just this is what I think. It's more black and white than ever.
1: And Steve, is that being your experience as well? Do you think that guidelines will will help some of those management discussions with the report?
0: Absolutely. Um, farmers as a whole you know, producers, they don't necessarily like mediocrity, right? They always try to be their best. They strive every day. They put too much time and effort into their operations. So, you know, but a lot of them, they might feel like they're doing their best job and they don't know that other people even surrounding them are doing better. And that's where the that whole like benchmarking portion of a lot of this or having the industry guidelines right there saying your herd sits here which you might think is really good, but actually could be a slight bit better compared to the industry, that really opens their eyes a lot of times to say, oh boy, you know, I think I was, I thought I was doing well, but the progressive producers are really going to want to push themselves to become that much better and and move their operation forward.
1: Yeah. And do you think this helps delineate between your weekly farm check and something else? This is a special assessment of the overall operation, so it can help break that up. Is that something that you think will be helpful as well?
0: Absolutely. You know, When we do these kind of, like you say, a consultation audits, whatever you like to call them, a lot of times we're doing it either as a yearly thing for producers because they just want to just check where they stand or they have a problem, right? We can sit there at a regular herd check and ask them regularly, hey, how are things going, right? And nine times out of 10, they say everything's totally fine. Um, They haven't checked the red flag yet because the ship hasn't started to sink, whereas these programs um something like this at, at 360 it enables us to go down the path of gaining more information in a structured fashion that we can maybe find problems even before they're they've
1: fully arose if you will oh that's good adrian i'm going to bring you in uh, you know you're a um, extension agent and you've done a number of these now in, in collaboration with the uh, local vet do you think that's also important that you can involve other people as well, other veterinary specialists or somebody else? What's your feeling on that?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, there is a huge lack of knowledge about the the resources that extension in the nation can contribute to the veterinarians and. Uh, even when I first moved uh, to the States uh, I, and I started discovering all the different resources that Extension have across the nation, uh, I was really shocked. All of that, now being part of the system, I understand even more uh, the, the concept and, and the meaning of the service. And I always, every time that I have, I'm invited to, to do a presentation or any program, I always encourage my colleagues, Virginians, to reach out to Extension because the information is, is science-based, it's, it's no bias and and they're not trying they're not making any profit out of these things so the, they are really unbiased people that you can link to uh, find the information even if they don't have it or or just get a different uh, fresh set of eyes to you know the management of the operation uh, or or any issue that you are, are trying to troubleshoot and i think that um, uh, for now at least with this with 360 tool they're uh, doing a, a good um, a great job linking those resources that are available in the website for free uh, to us, to find that information that is science-based and is accurate and biased information in order to make a meaningful decision and actually the right decision. I always say that if I had to pick between not having any data or having the wrong data, I will always pick not having data because with the wrong data, I'm gonna make a wrong decision. So that's kind of the, the sort of integration of extension in with with the tool, but also you know connect kind of colleagues or, or consulting folks that you can reach out to find information or to have a different point of view.
1: So on the topic of uh, decision making, obviously that's pulling in the data. There's some decision support in there, flagging things if numbers are a little bit lower. Then you have the option then to develop your management plan, identifying some of the things that you want to tackle. Now whether or not you accept all of those, whether or not you have the money, for example, to uh, put in a new um, fan system because you know heat abatement is a is a big concern. But at least you've you've got those on the table. Megan, to you, how do you think that this program? And I know it's in its early early days. So how would you use the the fertility 360 report to drive some of those strategic management discussions, such as changing pen structures, you know, addressing overcrowding or
5: yeah, so I think just using it as a snapshot in time and being able to say, Where are we today and where are where were we six months ago? You know, the last time we sat down and went through the F360, you know, or or whatever that time interval interval may be, just being able to use that as a snapshot in time to say, where are we now? What did we change? Um, where should we be? Why are we not there? What else happened in this time frame that could be you know a confounding factor? Um, so yeah, I think just just using it as a snapshot in time is is a huge is a huge tool that we we can only imagine you know how that's gonna look in a year from now with these first farms that we've done. But I think a year from now we'll be really glad we had that information you
1: know, that we started with. So you you mentioned there a little bit on uh, behavioral change and uh, Paul, I'm going to get you to comment on this because I think you highlighted to me uh, some of the change management, particularly when it comes to some of the research that you've done. And I think actually even um, Julio Giordano sort of said, generally the industry is about 10 years behind of, you know, some of the protocols that or or research that we've done in, in, in adoption. How do you see this tool sort of changing behavior of people and in, in particularly in the light of, of benchmarking when you can compare you know not necessarily to your neighbor down the road in a, an identified way but in a de-identified way how could you do you see this sort of being a, a bit of a change agent for, for dairymen
3: yeah that's a great question nick and i think one of the most common questions i get often is okay i got a herd on a double obscene protocol what should their conception rate be and the answer to that question is always, it really depends. Am I, am I working with a dairy that's in the middle of the summer in Arizona in a dry lot dairy that's 5,000 cows? Or am I in, you know, the upper Midwest somewhere on a 3,000 cow uh, freestall? And so everybody kind of wants to know what those benchmarks are. And I said, you know, why don't we take the weight of the data and use the data to define what, what people are able to achieve? You can break that down by area of the country, you can look at it by size of dairy. You can you can do a lot of different things with that kind of benchmarking. And so, you know, if I'm a dairy farmer, I want to know if I'm using a specific program or protocol or system or whatever. Uh, am I in the top 10% of all dairies? Am I in the bottom 10% of of all dairies? You know. So at least it gives me an idea of where I am. And so, my experience has been that that can be incredibly motivational. Uh, for dairy farmers. And I forget who it was that said that, you know, we we tend to have a lot of really competitive type A people in the dairy industry. And maybe they don't know that they're not in the top 20% of all dairies, at least of their size and in their region. And if they know that, they're going to be more motivated to try to change. And so I'm very excited about the benchmarking. I'm fascinated at looking at this kind of data because I work Sometimes you know when we do these research trials they're very optimized we, we have grad students giving all the treatments so we kind of take um, protocol compliance out of the equation we' we'll, we'll we'll delete some cows that have problems so on and so forth and so I have quite a biased um Opinion of what can be achieved, I see a lot of really good results. But what are they actually achieving in the field, and where do they stand within the population of dairies? I think it's it's going to be really interesting to look through that.
1: And if I may, an unashamed plug here for those that don't know, for veterinarians, mySync is free. The base pro- program is free. It uh, is a bolt on to, to dairy comp and it pulls that data in every night. And then it's it's web based, so wherever you have internet connection, you can see that data and the more cows we have in that database stronger the decision support the stronger the benchmarking becomes so you know we've now got over 250 herds uh, just over a million cows so that's nearly 10 percent of the population and paul thanks for for highlighting some of the, the things there that we can do now you know if we have a dairy farm that is in a, a high country uh, desert dry lot. Um, there often aren't clinical trials that specifically look at uh, a fertility program in that area. However, if we've got other farms in that in that space, then you can compare. The last point I would make about my the data is encrypted, so you can't get access to it, uh, and it's all de-identified as well. So you can't find you know John's farm down the road. It will just be mashed up in the in the data. And Mark mentioned before that you're part of a, a larger practice do you think this tool could or may allow you to, to standardize the way that you view dairy operation across your client base
4: oh yeah for sure you know because it walks you through step by step you know kind of like you showed on the screenshots before you know the different different aspects of the dairies you know and ask specific questions and kind of kind of leads you through you know those different areas so yeah it's it definitely standardizes it versus you know, doing one thing on one farm and focusing on, you know, more narrow area, going to another farm and focusing on that, it kind of brings it all together for every farm that you would do. And also, you know, between, you know, your other partners, associates and whatever, if they do some of their herds, same thing, and they're all evaluated the same. And if you, you know, compare the data that you gather, the the results, you know, you can look at different farms
1: too amongst each other and know you kind of did them all, did them all the same way. On a more commercial uh, aspect uh maybe i'll start with you steve could you see this being a, a tool that you could charge for your services
0: absolutely i mean i feel like at our clinic we do do a lot of uh consultation work all currently but like we alluded to earlier it's typically a work up a little bit more of a problem a dairy has so it's just rooted just in that small section of of what their problem entails where this is a little more all-encompassing so i feel like they could easily be tied into a yearly walkthrough hey where do we see things going how are things progressed kind of like um uh, making them alluded to earlier it's a snippet in time but yet again we can keep looking back at the old snippets and say yep that you know, we've improved you know these are the the list of things we were gonna that's my big thing is anytime we do consultation it's always having goals moving forward right so say yep here's where we sit today tomorrow we need to be here so this will allow us to then um you know let's say a years time six months whatever uh, interval we want to go with will allow us to ultimately come back and visit to make sure that we're reaching these goals
1: thanks so mark i'm going to just throw that question over over to you
4: yeah i think it's a you know this could definitely be it's kind of set up to do it on a a recurring basis you know like like steve said and like others have said you know to kind of see where you're at today do it in six months again or whether you're doing it once a year and see where you've improved see if you've slid it all and you know to set those goals and, and try to meet them and and Stay on the on the producers or the employees to keep moving in that direction and not not forget about them. So I, I think it's definitely something that you can regularly a lot of valuable info you can keep looking at and keep checking on, you know, to kind of to kind of stay on it. And it would definitely add to you know billable hours and something that brings value to the client that you can you can charge for, you know, beyond beyond doing your weekly herd
1: checks and things like that. So look, I want to uh, now switch gears a little bit and and talk about some of the futures. So Paul, to you now, the next level of development to the report is integrating MySync's um, collective data uh, to create industry guidelines tailored for each farm. Uh, How will this information impact the development uh, of dairies, you know, industry's best practice?
3: Yeah, so I mean, I think we've talked about this, Nick, as far as when when I kind of first got it start, got started at least talking about synchronization programs, I did a talk. It was called off sync, co sync, pre sync, resync, the kitchen sink. You know, there was there was just so many different options. And now I think what's happened in the industry is that things have kind of collapsed down. There's a few programs for first service. Uh, there's a few programs kind of for dealing with the cows that are non pregnant and going through. And really, I think an exciting idea is to say, let's categorize the database of herds that we have, looking at the different kinds of reproductive management strategies that are available and benchmark that. So I've always said, you know, I work with the Dairy Cattle Reproduction Council very closely. I've been on the board. And what I see is like the best dairies um, that that win these awards kind of blend together, timed AI with heat detection in certain ways, and it seems to work extremely well and um just being able to categorize farms and look at which farms are succeeding and what i think we'll find and i hope this is what we find because this is what i've said for a long time there's not a single way to get good reproduction on these dairies i think there's multiple ways to do it and it will just be fascinating to look at the database and to say here's kind of the top three ways or four ways that dairies are achieving reproductive success and so i think that has the potential to move us forward uh, as an industry uh,
1: with regard to the recommendations that we make for for managing repro can't agree more and um, obviously the making sure that we've got good entry of that data whether it be through the the correct coding of diseases the diagnosis of those uh, diseases in terms of event codes and then also on the education which obviously, you know, every person on this on this panel is going to play a role in uh, educating uh, our, our dairymen and uh, across the industry to make sure that that all um, happens. So, uh, a question then to all the uh, to all the panelists, uh, really, and I'll go around there. I'll go around the grounds there, starting with you, uh, Adrian. You know, the future iterations of Fertility Three Hundred and Sixty will implement the longitudinal tracking of, of actions and items that I have um, mentioned earlier. This information can be used to develop predictive modelling to identify how implementing uh, specific changes will impact farms. How do you see this information will be received uh, by researchers, veterinarians, and, and producers?
2: I think that kind of takes uh, to to what Paul was mentioning about having the large uh, the large amount of data. And uh, what you were talking, Nick, about also kind of standardizing and uh, having a more accurate and quality disease definition for the transition cow uh, issues and, and uh, parameters that we are recording because it's, uh, that's one of the biggest challenges we see in the records, as Steve was mentioning, that the, the definition of diseases or the testing of the diseases might change from one farm to the other, even in the same uh, even county or region. Uh, so, it's just by having a standardization of that and also having a, a more powerful data set, uh, definitely they're going to be a really powerful uh, tool to make more meaningful and more uh, accurate decisions uh, in order to change management. Um, I think that that's going to be perceived well, uh, really well, and as a useful uh, part of this effort for all the industry, I believe, because it's powerful data. It's going to be more reliable. And I think that one thing that we are always good, at least in the science space, on recognizing the limitations and, and the lacking of, of uh, um, things of a study of a, of a data of, of or benchmark that we're using. Uh, and I think that uh, we, we talked with you, uh, Nick, even through going the developing of the benchmarking for this tool, that there are some benchmarks that are industry benchmark. They don't have science behind. And you guys... State that in in those uh, you know cases uh, there are about I believe 80 90 questions that we go through and not all the questions have really solid data behind because the 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 the, the, the studies haven't been made yet uh, we only have this much of literature that we can dig into but there are a lot of studies that haven't been made yet and having these powerful data set will allow us to put a little more solid or more solid, no, they want more solid benchmark for these parameters that we still do not have the data for.
1: And Mark, how do you feel about that, you, you know, with, with the likes of these tools, as we do get more information at our fingertips, we're uh, making, you know, suggestions about, well, look, the data says this, my gut says this. What's your feeling on, on that uh, coming into the industry and, and being able to tell you, well, your gut's wrong? Uh, what what were your what were your feelings be about that?
4: I mean, a lot of ways it's probably good. You know, if there's good research and data behind things, and you know, it proves you know or shows examples of where you could be. You know, if you make certain changes and kind of kind of predicts where you could go, it 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 helps with talking to producers too, and maybe having more more weight behind it versus just what I think. You know, here's what you know all these millions of cows that are entered you know are showing or you know hundreds of thousands of cows that are under a certain repro program or or whatever you know what have you you know that if you can make some of these changes you know here's where you could be and here's what we what we'd expect you to be able to accomplish you know it doesn't guarantee anything but at least you know it gives more more heft to it with predicting where where they could get to
1: and Mark, I wasn't uh, picking on you, saying that you personally. I meant your 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 customers when you're trying to convince them that you know maybe maybe the uh, the ten cows that didn't get pregnant this week uh, is really just a chance uh, effect, not uh, you know the program's not working or anything else like that. But and Steve, what what are your thoughts on, on this? You know, decision support playing a bigger role, and I think we'll hear that word. Uh, more and more is health informatics is really, a, I guess, a broader term for it uh, becomes a bigger part of of the industry as we start linking these different systems. Um, what's your feeling on, on that?
0: I think just kind of piggyback off of what everybody else has been saying is, um, you know, producers, they like they're very smart people, right? Um, and they like data sometimes just as much or more than we do, to the progressive ones. So when we can bring them the information that they're kind of looking for, and sometimes they don't even know where to find it, um, and we can structure our decisions off of some of the studies that are out there, I think it's uh, better for everyone, right? I mean, it's, it's a good learning, or good refresher for us on top of um, making the best judgments for their operations because there's proven science behind, those uh, previous suggestions. So I think, you know, using these tools moving forward, it allows us to make, um, you know, predictions per se of how that herd's gonna benefit from these changes versus just kind of going off the cuff and saying, well, you know, this herd did this randomly one time and it worked well. There's a lot of proof to that, what's going on.
1: I'll throw that over to um, to Paul. Um, in particular on the data collection, uh, and information that may influence um, future research. In particular, I'm curious to, to see how you feel about the collection of large data sets uh, in your area of expertise, which is fertility programs. Um, obviously, you design a trial. Uh, it goes on a particular farm. How do you see broader data sets like um, those that sit in behind MySync? How, how do you see that helping the industry and or your particular role in research?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think those are two different, um, kind of two different questions. So a lot of the research that we do will be testing head-to-head in a randomized controlled trial, two different management strategies, two different protocols, two different interventions. And what we, the information we get from that is, are they different? And if they're different, what is the delta? Um, That's a different question, though, than you can get from a large database which and it's just a different kind of information right so now let's say we have a best protocol best practice how does it actually perform in the industry how does it perform in dairies and different sizes different areas of the country it's you know they're valid questions it's different right one's empirical science and one's a little bit more kind of an epidemiologic look and so you're asking different things and you're looking at different things but but very few uh, researchers have had the opportunity to look at large data sets like this. Historically, um, reproductive records were analyzed using DHIA records. And the advantage was you had a lot of data. The, the bad thing about DHI recording systems for Repro is it was notoriously inaccurate because people only recorded the breeding that resulted in a pregnancy because all they wanted from the information was when the cow was going to go to calves so you know when to dry her off. And so, when I kind of first started 25 years ago, nobody really knew what conception rates were because the data was so bad and most people weren't recording these things. I think the most excitement I have about this project is now we're taking relatively accurate data from Dairy Comp and we're compiling it together in a big data database type of a system. And I think it's going to be very illustrative illustrating what we can see from the data and how, how things are going with Repro. It'll be a really interesting way to look at things.
1: Um, and Adrian, uh, to you, uh, obviously Paul is um, uh, deeply involved in, in reproduction. You're um, uh, more of a transition cow uh, management. You know, How do you see some of the transition cow diseases? Obviously they tie heavily into, into reproduction, um, but how do you see some of the, the, the data that we can pull from dairies at the moment, probably not as accurate as what. What's your f- feeling on the transition cow um, disease database and using the tool?
2: Yeah, so it's it's similar to to what Paul mentioned. Can I echo in some of the concepts that he touched base on? Um, when it comes to transition cow management, uh, perhaps I agree with you, um, Nick, that the data is a little more inaccurate, just due to the multiple different the, the uh, you know things that we mentioned the disease diagnostic methods the, um, the definition of the disease the different coding they use and it's been able to identify those and and many of those diseases that are not even recorded by the producers, such as subclinical ketosis or subclinical hypocalcemia which is still have imp- are important for fertility and have an impact on, on, those, um, on those parameters. But I think that one of the biggest uh, potential that I see uh, to this large data set that's going to be gathered by this tool is uh, to see how the different management affects to those particular diseases. Um, now, nowadays in veterinary medicine, we... We are more focused on a population medicines as a preventive between a medicine, as, as we know, instead of just looking at a specific sick cow and treat that cow, we just look at the population and what are the risk factors that led to that sick cow. Uh, so by having all these management factors, which are important risk factors uh, for developing the disease and therefore for the impaired fertility that later on we'll see on that cow, we'll be able to identify best management practices to um, have a better, uh, healthier, more uh, uh, better health animals, or uh, more comfortable animals, and therefore more fertile and uh, having a better reproductive
1: performance in, in the dairy industry. Excellent, thanks um, for that, uh, Adrian. Um, all right, before we, I think we're we're drawing to a uh, conclusion here. Before we jump to um, questions from the audience, so one last question to to all the panel, if they were to say and. Uh, Steve, I'll start with you, but what impact do you see the the F360 report making on the industry clinically or practically, you know, to your own uh, to your own practice? What, what do you see as the, the single biggest thing for you?
0: I think it's going to be a more, like you said, streamlined working process through some of the things that um, we typically talk about almost every herd check, but it's going to help them visualize some of the changes. And I think, um, you know, implementing it, into our consultation service and able to make some large scale improvements. I think there's some small scale, like low hanging fruit that can be fixed right up front, but then also having those bigger projects, let's say like a heat abatement project or overcrowding or heifer management. How are we going to improve those larger scale things? It all ties back yet again to reproduction and we use that as the baseline, but to say we can get better reproduction through tightening up these other avenues of your problem. So I think, you know, we're definitely going to use it more for um, just, Overall even bare minimum yearly consultation just to make sure that the herd's moving forward
1: thanks for that uh mark uh, what are your your thoughts on that what's your sort of one thing that you want that you've sort of taken away from uh the program
4: I mean, I think like it's been mentioned several times i mean practically you know it it's a very efficient way to work through you know a lot of aspects of a of a farm and you know farms are more and more complex all the time you know I think it like Adrian mentioned, it's a huge time saver versus trying to do all that on your own, sort through everything, formulate a report. You know, it's it's just really easy to use and it saves a lot of time and gets you, you know, focused into a good place as far as finding those areas that you've identified need need improvement. You know, very very quickly and in a good visual way for the client too. So it's just, I think it'll be very helpful. You
1: know, industry wide. Excellent. Thanks, Mark, for sharing that. And uh, uh, to you, Adrian, what is your uh, one thing that you think that will impact on the industry, or clinically, or practically for the dairyman, to, to vets, or yeah. for yourself?
2: Um, I think that from, from perhaps the research science uh, university uh, view of that uh, that I'm kind of uh, working on, uh, I think that perhaps the, the biggest impact of the tool is going to be the, the data collected and, and the the uh, analysis of the data and the identification of these best management practices or best uh, protocols to use in reproduction um, realities of, of, uh, you know, many factors that in in, uh, randomized trials, we might have uh, the opportunity to compare one to another, but with this large data set across nation with so many different uh, sort of uh, management practices from facilities to uh, reproductive uh, protocols, uh, it's going to be incredibly useful to identify those best management practices and develop these new benchmarks that, as Paul mentioned, there might be three or four or five that could work for one form, but we don't know yet. And and having this, this power, I think it will be uh, incredible to to identify those those parameters or those
1: practices. Excellent. Great. Thanks for that, Adrian. And, Paul, uh, last word to you. Uh, what, what's your <laughs> single uh single biggest thing either to the industry clinically or or practically.
3: You know, look, I'm a researcher, so I'm extremely excited about what I can learn just collectively from the data. I think there's, there's lots of information that can be mined. But I also work, you know, with veterinarians and dairy farmers on dairies. And I think the tool is going to be really useful as a, you know, kind of a standardized way to walk through a farm and try to figure out what's going on with Repro. And everybody, on this call has worked with repro problems. They are not the easiest things to figure out. Sometimes sometimes they are easy to figure out, but many times they're not, it's a multifactorial problem. And so I think the way the tool is designed to walk through in a systematic way, kind of try to uncover everything, look at the benchmarks and then say, here are the five things we've seen walking through your farm that just aren't meeting the benchmarks. And you know, I think another thing, from a veterinary perspective that I would bring up, I work with so many veterinarians that say, I have been hammering this dairy on this particular issue. And they're just not listening to me anymore. When you run the tool, if that thing, if that comes up as one of the problems, you can say, look, I've been telling you, you need to work on this. The tool says you need to work on this. It's another lever that I think veterinarians can use to try to to fix the things on dairies that they see uh, need to be fixed.
1: Well thank you very much to our to our panel. That concludes our uh, formal sort of questions. I'm going to refer to our producer Shannon Barnett behind the scenes if there are any questions at all from the
5: audience. We did have a we did have a comment from Scott Polk out of the University of Missouri uh, around benchmarking and he just happened to agree with some of you all that peer pressure is a great motivator. <laughs> But other than that, we had no additional questions from the audience.
1: Okay. I would like to thank our panelists, to Adrian, uh, to Paul, to Megan, or I'm sorry, has sort of been in and out, to Steve and Mark. Thank you very much for for joining us this afternoon. So I do actually have some other uh, thanks for uh, veterinarians that have been involved, and the tool has been uh, developed in collaboration with veterinarians, which I think is really important. There's no point in in developing something that won't be used. So to Dr. Jacob Steiger of uh, Mount Baker Vet in Washington, Dr. Tammy Kincaid at Bovine Vet Services in New Mexico, uh, Dr. Blaine Nick at the Dairy Authority in Colorado, thank you for letting us get on farms with you. Dr. Matt Dodd at Anderson Vets, uh, Minnesota. Uh, Dr. Scott Pope thank you for allowing us to, to get around your university farm. Uh, and also to have a film crew there on there and, um, and uh, to actually Dr. Milo Wilbank who helped us a long time ago in, in developing a lot of the uh, clinical education content. Uh, we have eight videos in there uh, that Milo helped us uh, develop. If you haven't seen them, I think we've got some videos now up to 10,000 odd views. They're both in uh, English, uh, well not both. Now we have three languages, English, Spanish and now Portuguese. So for all of those uh, dairies in the Hillmar area. So thank you, of course, to those. And of course, to you, the listeners, uh, thank you for taking the time. Again, thank you to our panelists. And uh, wherever you are across the United States, please stay safe. Uh, Thank you for joining and happy milking.